Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. In today's episode, we will be talking about a little bit of what happened with the impeachment trial of Donald Trump, what exactly Biden has been doing since he took office. In my second segment, I'll have my guest on for the week, Lynette Farmer of the Nice to Meet You podcast. And in the final segment, I'll be having my reaction to said guest segment. But first, if you are not already, please follow me on Instagram at Independent Thought. It is the best place to keep up with the podcast. I post to my story daily, so please check that out. First, of, first and foremost, before we start today, I want to thank all of the subscribers who are constantly uh, checking in for each and every episode and for everyone who sends me DMs after the episode to tell me how I'm doing. And for those of you who have been recently criticizing my sound quality, I will have you know that buying a new microphone is on my to-do list. But before we get to any of that, I also want to thank everyone who has been listening to the previous episodes and giving me feedback on that. So with all that being said, let's dive into this episode. Uh, first, has anybody else noticed how quiet it's been uh, since Donald Trump has left office or rather Twitter? I can't help but just notice how quiet the news cycle has been now that Donald Trump is not on Twitter every single day. And it makes me wonder, you know, if Twitter had just banned him, you know, months or if not years ago, if we could have had this silence for that much longer. But we digress because the first thing to acknowledge is the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. It was dominating the headlines this week. It dominated the headlines this weekend. And it had an inevitable conclusion that I'm sure that most of us saw coming which was that there was no way that the Republicans were going to vote to convict Donald Trump because as per Senate rules, in order to convict a president, 67 senators must vote to convict. Now there are 50 Democrats, which means that 17 Republican senators had to get on board in order for this to become a conviction. And I took a poll on Instagram a few weeks back. And around that time, my followers seemed pretty split on this. Almost half of you thought that 17 Republican senators were going to vote to convict. And I applaud you for your optimism because I do not share it. I never thought that the Republicans would even muster up the courage to get five of them to uh, vote to convict. So the fact that there was actually seven is amazing to me. Truly, truthfully, seven Republicans went against their president to vote to convict. I'm shocked, especially given where some of them are located. Since in a previous episode, when I talked about the chaos at the Capitol, 
I gave you the seven names of the senators who still voted to contest the election results, even after people had died in the Senate that day, because, you know, that's what heroes do. Uh, I will now give you the seven names of the senators who voted to convict Donald Trump today, because let's just be fair. It was a good thing for them to do. It's a shame that 10 more couldn't have joined them. So as follows, the Republicans who voted to convict Donald Trump, uh, Richard Burr, Barr, I'm sorry, pronounced your last name probably incorrectly, out of North Carolina, uh, Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, Susan Collins from Maine, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, Mitt Romney from Utah, Ben Sass from Nebraska, and Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania. Now, I'm a little surprised that, you know, seven Republicans voted to convict, especially Republicans from Nebraska, Louisiana, North Carolina. I have a feeling that the constituents in their state aren't going to take too kindly to those votes. But, you know, it's in the past now. So not only is that in the past, but thankfully, maybe we can all start putting uh, kind of a footnote on the Trump presidency. I do not believe that he is going to just go quietly into retirement. I think we will see him again. I think we should all enjoy the quiet while it lasts because you never know when it might end. For the next thing we know, he might just pop up on who knows what social media sites he might just pop up on. He might just start his own for all we know. This is Trump we're talking about here. So until Trump resurfaces, Let's just try to put him on the back burner for a little bit, because while he deserved to be impeached and while he should have been convicted, we cannot change the fact that he did not. So we have to just focus on what's going on with our current government. Thankfully, he's not a part of it right now. So the current White House is being occupied by Joe Biden, the winner of the 2020 election. And leading up to the 2020 election, Joe Biden spent a lot of time talking about all the things that he would do if he was in charge of the White House. So let's review what he has done since taking uh, charge of the White House, because let's be fair, a lot of the things that he's done have not been widely publicized. I am a little shocked by it, actually, because during a time of mass chaos, you would think that the good news would be more widely spread, but it's been oddly quiet. So I decided to take a look at the uh, executive orders that Biden has already passed. Uh, executive orders are basically just laws that the president can create on his own or on, or on their own, regardless of Congress. Uh, so let's take a look at some of the things that he's done. Now, I will not name them all because there are, by my count, 31 executive orders that Biden has signed since taking office. And just for some, um, just for some clarity here, I just want you all to know that that is the most executive orders signed in the first month of a presidency since FDR, uh, which Biden claimed that he wanted to be a progressive president. So it's actually a little impressive that he's doing some of the things that he's doing. So let's talk about some of the things that have been done so far. I went through the list of all 31. And I picked out a few to, to name because, well, just frankly, I'm just not going to go through 31 different executive orders. So here's the ones that stood out to me. 
Uh, first of all, he expanded the U.S. refugee admissions. Uh, so currently under the Trump administration, they had changed uh, the laws in place to where people could come into this country. Uh, they had tried to make them more difficult for people to come to this country. And if you're not aware of what it actually takes to come to America as a refugee, I highly recommend going and finding uh, a video that John Oliver has done on our that exact process. Because what it currently already took before uh, Trump's increased um, well, Trump's increased using you know, mandates on top of what we were already doing. It was already an insane system. So the fact that Trump felt the need to make it even more difficult is insane to me. So Biden rolled that back and made it easier for refugees to come here. He also went through and revoked the family separation policy and created a task force to put families back in place. Uh, now, while I was looking for that, I was also looking to see if he just got rid of the cages in general, but unfortunately I could not find any information on that. Uh, so in case I missed it, I'm left to believe that those, that those cages still exist. But uh, if I am wrong about that, please uh, fact check me. I am open to being told that I'm wrong about that. So please hit me up in the DMs if you find something other than what I was looking for there. He also, rescinded a Trump memo here that's that apparently, I did not even know this was a thing, that uh, Trump was having immigrants repay the government if they received public benefits. So if you were an immigrant in this country and you received any kind of public benefits, Trump was having it set up so where that those people would have to repay the government for every, any benefit that they received. That is absolutely insane to me. Like, like, we can have that debate about whether or not people who are not citizens should be using uh, tax-funded services. Like, I understand that you might want to have that debate, but don't give someone a service and then tell them they have to pay it back. That is just, there, there is just too many things wrong there. So I'm glad that Biden rolled that back. That is a very good thing. Uh, another thing that stood out to me was the fact that Biden instructed the attorney general not to renew any federal contracts with private prisons. That in and of itself can be its own episode. And I frankly have to say that it probably will be in the future. Uh, the private prison system is a disgrace on our country. I absolutely cannot stand it. And even this small level of, um, of a win, you know, brings hope to my eyes because I gotta say, the fact that we have a private prison industry in this country is absolutely disgusting. Like it, it is just so barbaric in my eyes. But moving on from that, uh, Biden also reversed the ban on transgender people being in the military because wh why was that ever a thing? Like wh why was that ever a thing? Like wh what is, I, I really wish I had somebody on the show right now who could tell me what exactly is the point of banning people from being in the military? Like, can they do the job, yes or no? Okay, if the answer is yes, then why the hell should it matter if they're transgender or not? Like, like what, what is the point of that whatsoever? I, I, I don't even know how to handle that mentally. Uh, one of the next things that Biden did was cancel the Keystone Pipeline. Now this did get some coverage. Everyone who I know, who I've talked to about this is pretty happy about this, who's 
basically anyone who believes in climate change. However, what I will say, I've heard a lot of pushback on the right about this, even in my home state here of Montana, where there are so many people who are Republicans who are absolutely upset about this because of the economic implications that come with this. So many people were relying on those jobs being there, and they just cannot understand why the Biden administration would just get rid of all these jobs like that. And I understand, you know, we are living through an economic hardship right now. And so if you thought you were going to have a job and then your job disappeared, you know what, frankly, I can understand why you'd be a little upset. The only thing I have to say in response to that is that, you know, the conservatives, the Republican Party, who's the party that believes in the free market. And at the end of the day, you know, if we are trying to work out this resource that's no longer going to be a part of our economy pretty soon here, well, then the free market will just, you know, work itself out, right? Isn't that what everyone on the right believes? Okay, I'm done antagonizing you for now. Next, Biden got rid of the construction of the border wall, which again was another asinine project that, you know, people who wanted that wall to be built figured out why walls are useless on the insurrection day when they climbed the walls themselves to get inside the Capitol. But we will digress off of that point for a second. Why, why, why did anyone think a wall was going to work? Currently, people come through from either ports of entries or tunnels. You know, by, by the most part, like when you when you study how people actually illegally come into this country, you know, did anyone really think that a wall would work? This is nothing more than like a $50 billion vanity project. The wall was never going to really stop people who were desperate enough to come here. If you're going to trek yourself through hundreds and thousands of miles through, you know, just like blistering heats, like, do you really think that you're going to get to America and let a wall stop you? I, I just... Uh, and anyway, anyway, there's a bunch of other um, executive orders that were in that were that have been signed. Uh, there was also some memorandums. There was some directives. I didn't go through all of them. Uh, well, I did go through all of them, but I'm not going to read all of them. Um, some of them were just stupid. I'm not going to lie to you. One of them in particular that caught my eye was an ethics pledge uh, that says it requires all members of the executive branch to sign an ethics pledge, uh, barring them from acting in personal interest. I, let me just say this. If you have to sign some ethics pledge, and okay, let, let's, let's be very clear about something. If you're a person who gets to the executive branch and you're going to be a corrupt person and you know, use your power to enrich yourself? Do you really think that, you know, making a pinky promise with somebody else is going to keep you from doing that? Really? This ethics pledge is, is basically just like, you know, it's like almost like scouts honor type stuff. Like, like, what are we talking about here? This is a waste of time. Don't, don't waste your time with things like this. Okay. Now, as we're transitioning away from some of these executive orders, I just want to say that there was a couple other things on here that caught my eye. Uh, that were a little head scratching for me. One of them was extending the eviction and foreclosure uh, moratoriums to March 31st. Now that sounds like a good thing in theory, but um, this is uh, unfortunately not for uh, private uh, houses and rentals. This is just for uh, federal, federally owned houses and like section eight housing and things of that nature. And 
so it doesn't really affect like a large population of people. Well, it does affect a large population of people, but not a majority of people who are facing foreclosure right now in eviction. And my only real question is like, if, if you know that the pandemic is going to be raging for probably until maybe, maybe Halloween, maybe longer, if we're lucky, I mean, it'll be done before that, but probably not. Uh, why only push the evictions uh, moratorium until the end of March when you have the ability to push it out further? I mean, you know, by March 31st, the pandemic will still be going on. So it kind of feels like a, a weak measure. And lastly here, Biden uh, extended the, uh, the pause on student loan payments until September 30th, 2021. That's categorically a good thing. You know, when we're going through everything we're going through right now with COVID, it makes absolute sense that you wouldn't want people to be worrying about their student loans right now when they're basically trying to stay alive. And my only real problem with this is that Biden said that he wanted to cancel some student debt. Well, you wouldn't have to extend a pause on student loan payments if people didn't have student loan payments to make. Now, now, this has been a topic of discussion for a lot of people, and, and I think this will be a great debate for a future episode, but just really briefly to give you some ideas about how I feel about this. Uh, we have been going out of our way, and by we, I mean the, our government who represents us, to bail out rich people at every point, every turn. Uh, just for instance, last year, uh, when we had our first COVID relief bill, in that first bill, uh, we bailed out uh, major industries like the airlines. And in those bailouts, we said that uh, one condition was that you couldn't lay off your workers if you accept this bailout money. Well, the airlines took that bailout money and then they still laid off their workers. So let's be very clear about something. The corporations and the ultra wealthy in this country have been getting taxpayer bailouts for decades on end decades on end and the media does barely anything to demonize it they give a whimper at best and then they're done okay and so when i see people especially on fox news recently and other mediums like absolutely just like crapping all over this idea saying well it's an absolute travesty that taxpayers should have to pay for this student loan debt i mean they should have to take care of themselves they should have to pick themselves up by their bootstraps like how does that feel to people who already paid off their student loans like wh what is that and all i have to say is why do we always find a way to tell poor people that they don't deserve help but we always find a way to help rich people become more rich. I don't understand it. I'm so tired of the narrative in this country that we have unlimited funds to help rich people become more rich, but the second that middle class and people in poverty need help to stay afloat, we're just, you know, these people are just told to, well, you know, best of luck, bud. I hope you figure it out. So, that brings me to my last point here of this segment. I did a poll on Instagram recently where I said, is Biden doing enough or can Biden do more? It was pretty split. Some half of you felt like Biden was doing enough. Half of you felt like Biden could do more. Now I just listed a bunch of things that Biden is doing well right now. These are all things that I'm very happy about. Uh, I'm happy about these executive orders. These are all good things, but 
But as far as I'm concerned, the main judge of a politician, in my eyes, should be not, you know, are you a magician and can you snap your fingers and make everything in the world better, but rather, what do you have the power to do? And then what did you choose to do with that power? So let's be clear. As the president of the United States, if Biden wanted to, he could cancel all federal student debt immediately. He doesn't have to go through Congress. He doesn't need any special permission. He needs a pen and a piece of paper, and it's done. That's it. Now, maybe he doesn't believe that he should, but he did say that he did believe in doing up to $10,000. Now, his own party, primarily his Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, has recently come out, along with others in Congress, and said that there should be at least up to $50,000 worth of student uh, loan relief for American people. Now, we can argue about if this is, you know, like what level we should do, whether it's 10,000, 50,000, or how Bernie Sanders put it, cancel all student debt. But let's just be clear about something. Biden could do something, and he has not done anything yet, and has, you know, from what we've been told so far, uh, he doesn't like the idea of doing more than 10,000. I'm going to give you plenty more thoughts on this in a future episode, but I will tell you that as far as that poll was concerned, I was definitely in the Biden can do more camp. Biden can do more to address student loans. Biden could do more to make sure that this COVID relief package is more was is stronger than it currently is because they're not trying to, you know, garner Republican support to pass this legislation anyway. They only need Democrats. And I know that some people are worried about some of the more conservative Democrats in the Senate, uh, mainly Joe Manchin. But as far as I'm concerned, we don't need to be making legislation built around one person. I think that he'll fall in line when that time eventually comes. So with all that being said, you know we're going to transition away from this topic for now. I will say that as of today, as of February 15th, I think that Biden is doing an okay job, but he could be doing more. And I will be the first to get on his ass and criticize him right here on this platform if I feel like he's dragging his feet, not doing everything that he can be doing to help the people of this country. Because, you know, regardless of everything that he has done, you know, in the last like few weeks, there are still a mountain of things that needed to be done before the pandemic. You know, if we roll back the time to the primaries, there was a laundry list of things that the Democrats were talking about needed to be fixed in this country before the coronavirus ever swept into America or and around the world. So there's a lot of things that we need to address in this country. So let's not pretend like this is, you know, like everything that needed to be done. This is just the beginning. And I plan on covering as much as I absolutely can on independent thought in the upcoming future. And so with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll be speaking with my guest for this week. We'll be right back. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? 
Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. For today's episode, I am joined by Lynette Farmer, the host of the Nice to Meet You podcast. Lynette, thanks for coming back on the show. I appreciate you coming back. Oh, no problem. I, I, it's a pleasure of mine. I, I enjoy talking to you. So, hey, no, I appreciate you. You are, uh, you know, I've got a chance to talk to a couple different of my favorite, you know, fellow podcasts the last few days. And like I, um, you know, told uh, Janae, I had her on yesterday. And, um, you know, you, you know, you two are like one of my, my like top 10 ro- in my rotation for like Aww. podcasts I listen to, you know, so I talked to more than 10 podcasters. So I guess some of them are going to be wondering if they're in the 10 or not. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that I made it. I made yeah. it. <laughs> you are, you are in my top 10, but yeah, thank you for coming back on. Um, you know, before we get started into our conversation for the day, I just want you to tell everybody a little bit about your podcast in case they didn't hear the first time you came on and where they can find you at. So it's the nice to meet you podcast. And that's with the number two, do not put T-O, but the number two. And then there's a nice to meet you with a U, not a Y-O-U. And so at the nice to meet you podcast, we're all about inspiring one another. So I'm, I'm just not looking to inspire you. I'm also looking for inspiration from you to uh, help us become the best version of ourselves. So we're constantly trying to um, understand our identity. Cause I feel like when we understand where we come from, what we want, what we need, that we'll be a better person. Uh, we'll know, like we all know how to like go after it. Cause we know exactly what we want and what we need. So that's what we're all about at the nice to meet you podcast, being positive. There's enough uh, negativity in the world. So I don't want to spread any more of that. It's just all about positive vibes, smiling, all of that, all of that you'll find in my podcast. All right. And if you haven't already, definitely go subscribe, 
Lynette has a great podcast. If you haven't already, give her a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you. Yeah, it, it needs to be done. There needs to be more promotion of podcasts, especially, you know, in the review world. I'm, I'm always excited whenever I see a new review of my podcast. I'm just like, Me oh, too. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> especially when it's random people that you don't know. I yeah. see like, I was like, I saw a person's name. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I want to contact you. Like, where's your number? What is your email address? Like, I want to say like, thank you. Cause you don't have to listen to me. Right. You know, honestly, I saw a couple just in the last few days that I hadn't noticed they were there because like for some reason, like I had to like, I scrolled to the bottom and they were new, but they were at the bottom. I, I don't, I don't know why that is, but I, I, yeah, like you were saying, I wanted to reach out and say thank you to those people because a lot of times when you're putting your voice out there like this, you don't really know if it's being received like you don't know yeah. if people actually like what you have to say like it's just like you see you know a play count go up but you don't know like did they actually like the episode did they listen to the whole thing did they listen to yeah. 10 seconds i mean you know you're operating in the gray area a lot you know so it, it kind of um I don't know, for me anyway, it's always just like, oh, I, I wonder if this is actually landing with people or not. No, I'm the same way. I was like, when I had like random people DM me, because like what I learned today, and I'm, I'm sorry, I hope I'm not off, talk, off, off topic, but there is a no lady topic. told me, <laughs> a lady <laughs> told me that the people that are around you, I was listening to her on YouTube, and she was like, the people that are around you, people that saw you every day, the, your family members, your friends, those aren't the people, those aren't the people you're trying to reach, because those people will always see you before you became, and they'll always remind you of where you came from. And so sometimes they can't accept you because, and this may sound, I don't know, bad, but sometimes it's like you remind them of what they wanted to do. They never had the guts to go out and do what you're doing. So like when they see you doing something or being great, you're a constant reminder of what like, man, I wish I had the courage. I wish I had the confidence of this person. So Sometimes we may reach people over in a different country. We may reach people in a different state, but like those people accept us because they never knew us when. They only know the person that we are now and they accept us for who we are, so. Yeah, that's something that I see, you know, in my own life, I'm just, I see there's a lot of just pettiness from a lot of people, especially like as we get older. I, I feel like it wasn't as prevalent when we were younger, uh, but you know, as we get older, I feel like people just do this whole like life measuring thing. You know, if if my life, you know, is not where I want it to be, instead of feeling satisfied for where somebody else's life is, it's almost like I'm looking, or not I, but other people like looking down on other people for mm -hmm. the fact that their lives aren't quite where they want theirs to be. So they're like, oh, well, I don't like that person because they have this and they have that. It's just, that's such a toxic mindset. I, I just, I personally, I, I don't know if, you know, maybe this is just my own problem, but I feel like I'm like a sponge a lot of times where I just soak up the energy of the people that I'm around. And I just cannot stand to be around people who just have this like consistent negative mindset about everything. Like, you know, everyone has bad days. Everyone has yeah. bad weeks, bad months, you know, like depression's a real thing. You know, people go through hard times in their lives, but there's a difference between going through something, trying and trying to be going through something. <laughs> you know, like people who are just like, their main function is trying to find the bad things in life. Yes. You know, and know so, some, I'm, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I know some of those people. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> I know some of those people. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm always glad to like put myself into a more like just a, a positive circle. So yeah, I, I definitely try to stay away from that. And I feel like, you know, um, you know, you and I were talking earlier about, um, 
you know, the challenges of, you know, kind of like dating. And I was remembering when back when I was single, it was like hard for me to kind of find, you know, the right person because I kept finding somebody who I just couldn't, I couldn't find the right like mindset that matched mine. You know, I kept finding people, I just kept finding a lot of really negative people, yeah. you know? And it took me a while to find somebody who legitimately kind of like matched, I guess, like what I was looking for, you know? I mean, and you were telling me recently about some of the challenges that you've been having, like trying to like find, you know, like someone to like, just someone like worth your time. You know, just tell me a little bit more about that, like some of the struggles that you were facing. <laughs> where, where do I start? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's been rough. Uh, I've been on a few uh, dating apps and I'm, I'm on none of them now because I noticed that I would find like this, like in this person, that and like that person, that and like that person, but I didn't find all of those things in one person. Right. And so I'm like, I started to bend and I started to say, well, you know, this doesn't bother me, but it did. It, it like, it really did. And I was like, I can't fight you know, the person that I am and why, and why do I need to? It's like, I want this. And if you don't have it, okay. I don't mean it's not mean, but that's what it is. And so like, I was just telling you that, um, dating in the real world, like you see one person, you meet one person, you may first, it's like the physical attraction because of course you don't know the person. So they may say like, you know, can we go for some coffee, whatever, stuff like that. And you meet them and then like, it may not work out and you're like, okay, but then like you, re you, you like maybe reflect and say like, what could I have done differently? And it's not like you're talking to, and you may be doing this in person. I just say me that you're not talking to four or five different people. You're not meeting for coffee or smoothies or whatever, drinks, whatever with four different people at the same time. You're like, you're not leaving Starbucks to go to another Starbucks or whatever. You're not doing this like all within one day, but on a dating app, that's what you're doing. It's like, you're at Starbucks with four or five different people at once. And like, how do you, how do you like just even manage that? And so talking to my sister, I've learned that your heart, and even though you're not, you know, you don't love these people because you don't know them, but your heart is like constantly taking rejection. It's like, yeah. it's constantly getting hit and you're constantly being told that, man, this is like, it's like to be let down like several times. It's like, I sometimes will bend and say that I just need a win. Cause like yes. I was tired of losing. Cause like you get loss after loss after loss after loss, and it's like that's not good for your psyche. No, it's <laughs> that's, not. That's not. It's not. And so it's like that's why I said like I would equate it to being at Starbucks at four, meeting, and then at five you're another Starbucks, and then at six you're another Starbucks, and seven. And it's like it's it's just like, I equate it to that, and that's like that's why online dating, I was against it initially, but then like I said, I'll try it. Because yeah. I'm like, how else will I meet people in like a time like this? And I was like, now I'm like, no, I deleted all of them because I realized that the people that are on there, I think that it wasn't my community. It wasn't like what I was looking for. Like some right. people, they did, they didn't take dating seriously. It's like they would say things and they would they would tell me what I wanted to hear, but then like they their true selves like kind of showed or they would disappear, they would ghost you, and it's it's just a bunch of nonsense. And it so really, I'm just really like is. done with it. Yeah. No, it really is. I mean, I had similar like uh, experience. I mean, I was on Tinder for like a year and a half. You know, I, I think like I was on there for a few months. I ended up meeting somebody, dated for a couple months. It didn't work out. And then I think I was on there for like a year straight and just 
couldn't find anyone. I mean, I only went on like a couple of dates, like through, through the, the entire like year process. Like I was getting matches all the time, but then I would like, and I'd be talking to people all the time, but then it would go to the point of from talking to actually going on like a, a date and I would just get ghosted like all the time. And I was just like, what, what is, the, what is the point of this? Me too. Me too. Yeah. What, what is the point of this? Like, are, are you like, if you're going to match somebody, like, why wouldn't you want to meet them? I, I don't, I don't know. It's crazy. And it's like, if you didn't want to meet me, why didn't you unmatch anyway? Anyway, no, you no know, I've, I've had that. And I've actually like met the people and it's like, they dishonesty. And they, they just don't lie to me. Like, I'm not looking for you to be grand, have a bunch of money, have all these things. But like dishonest, dishonesty is like a pet peeve of mine. And I was running into like, you know, they seem not that good, but they you can only lie for so long. And it's like me, I listen really well to people. And I, I listen and if it doesn't match, you say something, I'm going to keep it in my head. And I'm going to ask you about it later. And so people couldn't keep up with their stories. And it's yeah. like that is it's a lot of dishonesty. Not saying it is not dishonesty in person, but it's a lot of dishonesty on there. No, no, that that's that's absolutely. I mean, I mean, I was always wondering what it was like, you know, you know, being on the other side of the spectrum because I was just like, is it just me? <laughs> like, or is this just like, you know, is this just like my issue? Because like after a while, like you were saying with the whole rejection thing, it's like, okay, like how many times am I gonna like get on this thing and have nothing work out before I just finally think of like, well, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm the problem. And it's hard not to get that into your head, but at the end of the day, it's more or less just like, you can just run into a string of bad luck. You know, that, that's really just what it can come down to. I mean, if I had quit one week earlier, then, <laughs> I mean, you know, I would have probably, I would have had the same probably, you know, thoughts that you were having, you know, just like, oh, let me just get out of here. This isn't my scene. You know, I just gotta drop all of this. I mean. But the times that you actually did go on dates, um, what was it about like those men that, you know, like just like you, you just couldn't do it with them? Like, did any of them make you feel uncomfortable at all? No, it was good in person. It's just, so I'll say, we live in a world of social media. And so me, I'm an investigator. Like I'm Carmen San Diego. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, if, if I find out, like don't, don't, don't connect with me on social media if you don't want me to find out, you know, what's going on. So. I would meet with them in person. It's fine. But I would start to dig into the social media. And I was like, yeah, you're a little sketchy. There's a little sketchiness going on. So yeah. news like to everybody out there, if you have some sketchiness going on, do not connect with the person that you <laughs> met with. Let them figure you out first, fill you out. And if there's things on there that you don't want them to know yet, don't give them your social media handle. Mm. So dropping knowledge for all, the, all you listeners out there. But, you know, this is, um, you know, before we get away from this subject a little bit, I, I kind of want to just uh, pivot a little bit. Um, I know because you and I had talked in the past about, you know, times where, you know, certain men had made you feel uncomfortable. And you had told me about this story um, about a supervisor that you had worked with at a previous job. And when you had told me about that story, I was just like, you know, I feel like that's a story that I just want other people to hear about. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about, like, who this you know what the supervisor was like and why, like why they made you feel uncomfortable just tell me more about this story so i worked at my job at about about 13 years before i left and the last department i was in the supervisor that i had it's like I'll, I'll say like i'll say this that you think that you know a person when you don't so from afar you think that you know someone because like he wasn't my supervisor he was like just like hi bye in the hall you don't really know them and so when he, when we like, when we got like our old supervisor left, uh, we had opportunity to like get a new one. And so 
he was like one of the, the 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 persons that was like up for like the position and so we were like yeah we want you not knowing like be careful what you ask for <laughs> yeah. and so uh he became the supervisor and so he okay so everywhere that i go i try to be the top performer and like i do more because like i don't want to be like somebody you can, you can just get rid of it's like i want to be the type of person like you think twice about getting rid of me and so i always went above and beyond but like he would never recognize me for like who i was and yeah. so and, and it's like he would always like pump up these people that have like do their job like i know they're not doing their job they're telling me they're not doing their job but i always feel like because i was like one of the few black women in the department and yeah. so I felt like he knew, like people told him like how much people in different departments knew me, like they sang praises like Lynette, you know, you never have to wonder if she's going to get something done, if, if it's, if it's going to be done well. And so he would never, he was a type that he would tell other people that, cause he knew what type of work I did, but he could never tell it to me. It's something about like, he could not say those words to me that like, I don't know why he couldn't, but he would brag about these other people. He would like give them like their flowers and say like, this person is great and they're doing nothing. And I was like, not that I was seeking his validation, but it's like, why couldn't you recognize? Yeah. yeah. What is it about me that you see what I do, but you can't tell it to me? Like, what is it about you that, 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 that you're intimidated? So it's just like one time is like, we did this survey, you know, how jobs have surveys. And so yeah. one part of the survey was about culture. Like how can we improve the culture around the workplace? And so um, he, when they got the results, they realized that they didn't perform as well as, they, as well as they thought they would. They performed pretty low. And like, he, they called us into the office and they wanted to talk to everyone about like why, you know, they performed, you know, low, the manager, him and another manager. And I was like telling him about a like, culture. Like he went, you know, talked about every other thing and I wanted to like talk about culture. Like I said, that sometimes if we understood where the next person came from, we wouldn't say the things that we say. Like, so there's some jokes that's going on around here that should not, should not be said. And, and, and there's some things that we could benefit from some culturally, you know, biased training, some type of, you know, just experience with other people that do not look like us, right. that we're not raised like us. And he kind of looked, like he had his mouth wide open. He was like, like, what is she talking about? And like, from that day forward, like he never, even in a meeting, he said like, he's glossed over culture. He was like, we're not even going to talk about that. Cause I don't even know what that means. And I was like, you don't know what that means. Like, what do you mean? You don't know what culture means. Like we need some cultural diversity training up in here. Yeah. And so after that is like, he would come by, like, I'm going to school to be a teacher. He would come by and he would say things like, I talked to my mom about you. And I was like, you know, she, she said that, can you convince her not to go into teaching? And I'm just looking like, what? Like, why would you, why are you talking to your mom about me? And why is she telling, why is she telling you to convince me not to go into teaching? And then he tells me like, if you leave here, you know, you'll never make, you're going to make less than you make here. And I was like, like, dude, like, where is this stuff like coming from? He's just yeah, always just saying like the weirdest thing. Right? Yeah. And it's like, he just, even when I left, it's just like, he couldn't, when we had like the closing luncheon because of COVID, it was on Zoom, but uh he was like people were trying to like praise me so like what i meant to them and things like that and as they were talking he was like no 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 we're not doing any of that we're just gonna tell her bye and i was like i stopped him because i was like i was feeling myself then like i knew who i was i was like no if these people want to tell me what i mean to them and i'm leaving then why can't they and he just looks like weird and he ended up turning his camera off but he turned it back on i don't know he was just like he never like i was intimidating to him and like he could never appreciate me for who I was and I don't know if it's because I was black but I know in the company it was just me and then another other black girl came but at first it was just me and so I just felt like he could not 
could not recognize me for who I was. And then he has like his buddies and there's a guy like I told you about, another guy that worked there, like he only saw me for being black. It's like, he only came to me to talk about black things and talk about Dave Chappelle and talk about black movies and things like that. Some things that I hadn't even saw before, but he made it. And so when people say they don't see color, I used to say that, but I feel like don't only see my color, but also see my color, but don't make it only about my color. And sometimes I will say the other races are white people and don't take this the wrong way. Sometimes they feel like they can only relate to another black person by talking about black things, but we're so much more than our blackness. So don't only do that. That could be offensive. That was offensive to me. And I'm sure it's offensive to other people. I mean, it is offensive. You know, I just say a point blank. I mean, if you were to walk up to someone who is Hispanic and you would only talk to them about stereotypical things about that are typically associated with people who are Hispanic, like they would probably take offense to that. Like you just stereotype me because of the way I look and you didn't take any time to get to know me as a person. Like, you know, like how would that not be offensive? And the fact that people can sit there and not understand that in their own head just tells me that they've never had the moment in their life where they had to feel like stereotyped, marginalized, anything like that. And so, and, you know, I, I feel like there is, there are some people out there who do this on accident, you know, like they, they're genuinely trying to be a nice person and they don't realize that they're being an asshole. And so I think that, you know, for me, I'm trying to like place it in that framing, because if you are someone who's listening to this right now and you thought to yourself like, oh, well, I was just trying to be nice to that person. Maybe it's like an extra second to think about how exactly it's being received, because maybe you're not being nice to that person. Maybe you're actually upsetting that person. Yeah, I get it. Like they're trying to find a connection. They are. But like just just because you see me, like I know I'm black. I look in the mirror every day. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't ever question it. So like your only connection to me is just not other black people or other black things that you think. And so I know you're trying to find a connection. So I know this doesn't apply to everyone. It's like when you meet people, you want to find that connection, like to see how we can build a friendship, but like, don't try not to be only trying to connect to them on stereotypical type things. Right. Yeah. I mean, you would think that would go without saying. I mean, I'm over here sitting here like repeating this right now. I'm just like, do I really have to say this? Like, is this really necessary? Do people really not know? But people really don't know. Like, it's crazy to me. I'm just like, how do, how, how do you not know? But then again, I stop myself and I think that we are kind of just living in a time where self-reflection just, I feel like is at an all-time low. You know, maybe that's just how I see the world. You know, maybe it's a pessimistic view. <laughs> but I just feel like more and more, there's just people who just see the world from their lens and they don't stop to think about how like their actions are affecting the people around them, you know? So, which is kind of one of the central themes that I keep talking about, you know, um, more and more throughout this, like this quote unquote season that I'm in right now, it's just like trying to like bring different perspectives that different people have gone through. And which is why, you know, I actually wanted to bring on people who have different like professions that we normally don't talk about or talk about enough. And you were telling me earlier that like you are becoming a teacher now and you know, you, you and uh, you know, Janae, who I referenced before, like are also a teacher. And I just think that what y'all do is amazing. Uh, but you. for, for you personally, like what made you decide that you wanted to be a teacher? Like why, why did you decide that that was the route you wanted to go down? Well, I won't say it's a, decision i want to say this may sound corny but i feel like it it decided for me i don't know i'll i'll explain i'll expound on it so 
I was teaching and working with kids for years since I was like 19. I'm 38 now. So like, since I was like 19, I was like volunteering in my church, working with kids. Never, I mean, I was like coordinating a hundred and some kids sometimes. Like we had like a summer program and kids would come. And sometimes we had 160 kids and I was in charge of all of them. Like I had people that were under me. Like I had to appoint people, make schedules, go like get food, make a menu. I did all of that. Yeah. Never clicked. Like I was working at the job that I was telling you at, like the pharmaceutical con- company and data management. Like I was doing that. And on the side, I was working with kids, but I didn't know that I was, that made me happy. Like I never, it, it never clicked because I wasn't aware of who I was. So I was never checking in with me and saying like Lynette, never sitting, you know how you could be doing something and you're doing it, but you're not really reflecting on what you're actually doing. All the time. It's like, yeah. And so <laughs> it's like, when you sit down and think about it, I was like, man, this makes me really happy. And so when I went back to school, I was thinking, you know, going to like something in a pharmaceutical industry, cause I've given this many years to it. And for some reason, a light bulb went off and I was like, you know, you're like supposed to be teaching. Like I just asked for whatever reason, cause I love math at the, t- at the time. And I was like, show me your math program. And I was like in a counselor's office and they showed me the math program. And I was like, happy, giddy. I mean, I was just the happiest ever. And like ever, ever since then, it's, that was back in like 2015, I started walking on the path to teaching. But the reason I want to teach is because when I get a chance to teach, like the kids' faces, the way they light up, like when you teach them something, like when you like, and, and so I'm not the type of teacher that, wanna, that wants to build robots. I know like when I was in school, like they would teach you one way to do things. And like, if right. you didn't do it, you're something's yeah. wrong with you because you need to do it this way. And so what I've learned and, and what they've taught me in my college is that give the kids multiple strategies and ask them questions. Like keep questioning them to ask them why they do what they do. Cause once right. they know why they do what they do, they can keep using it throughout life. And so it's just amazing. Like in this virtual world, it's very challenging because I'm doing my student teaching. Who would think I'll be on student teaching in virtual setting? But like I've learned from the kids is that they want to, and I'm, work, I'm working with first graders, so I can't speak for like older kids, but like little kids want to impress you. They want to raise their hand. They want to be the one to get the right answer. And so just listen to them, like just like pick their brains and like they're so innocent and so honest. And so what I'll say is that I like working around kids because they bring that positivity. They're not out trying to challenge you. They're not out to compete with you. They just want to be the, like, they just want to like the satisfaction of you telling them that they got the right answer. Yeah. They did a good job. That's all they want. They're not. And they, it's just like, if if adults would just, you know, take on the mindset of a kid, this world would be a better place because like when we get, we become adults, it's all about stabbing the next person in the back. And how can I use you to get to where I need to be? And so kids are just, they just, they're pure. They just want to, 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 to perform well. And they, they want, they want to learn new knowledge. They're not kind of contaminated by this world yet. They just haven't yet. corrupted yet. Yeah. 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 So. No, it, it definitely is one of those things where I feel like the more that you kind of like allow yourself to open up that you can find that you'll, I mean, I'm just assuming, but I'm I'm assuming that you can probably learn as much from them, you know, as you are like giving to them as you're teaching them. So I I definitely appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, what you're doing, you know, being a teacher. And I want to, again, just like, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate that. You know, before we end the episode, just one more time, tell everybody where they can find your podcast at, because everyone should definitely go check out the Nice to Meet You podcast. 
No, thank you, Desmond. So the nice to meet you. So on IG, I post on there regularly. Right now, with Christmas, this this weird week after Christmas, oh, I feel like this episode will be coming out way later. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just say like this weird week um, for me is that I feel like the world should shut down. <laughs> like after Christmas, the world should shut down. So right now, you won't really catch many posts from me. But I'm coming back January third. But like I said, you can find me on there. I always post like new episodes, and the handle is N I C E. Two is in the number two, M-E-E-T-U as in the letter U podcast. That's the handle on IG. And then I'm on Twitter every now and then. That every now and then that's N-I-C-E, two is in the number two, M-E-E-T pod, just P-O-D at the end. And so I'm on Apple, I'm on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Radio Public, Overcast, uh, Pandora, Amazon Music, and a few other ones. And Ooh. so just uh, hit me up. And every now and then you'll catch me on YouTube. I, when I have conversations, sometimes I know people like to see faces and how you interact with the guests. And you can catch me on Lynette Farmer, Sowing Seeds of Love. You can watch YouTube videos on there. Okay. Well, Lynette, thank you for coming on. I mean, you seem to be a, I would hope that you'll be a reoccurring guest. I'm hoping to have you back on Definitely. again in the future. Uh, but for everyone else, just we're going to take one more quick break and then I'll come back with my final thoughts of the day. We'll be right back. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us for this episode of Independent Thought. I want to say if you have not already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you do not miss any of the future episodes. While I do post episodes about once a week, there is the occasional bonus episode that trickles in. So you will only see that if you are a subscriber. So please subscribe. And if you are on an iPhone right now and you liked this episode, uh, please consider giving us a five-star rating. Uh, we are always happy to see those. I'm hoping to maybe get to 80 ratings by the end of the month. So it'd be very helpful if you could do that. Now, first and foremost, I want to thank my guest, Lynette, for coming on to the podcast. She has been on before. Uh, the first time that she came on, uh, the episode is just called Nice to Meet You. So if you were interested in hearing another conversation that I've had with her, uh, go check out that episode. Also, go check out her podcast. I have been on her podcast now uh, three times, I believe. Um, I, I, I love Lynette. Uh, she's a great person. I love having her on the show. Definitely will probably be having her on again in season four. Uh, so definitely look forward to having her back on the podcast. And we had a great conversation this time, as we usually do. Uh, thank you again, Lynette, for coming on. Uh, so before we wrap this episode up, I told some people on Instagram that I would try to answer some questions. So I have some questions here in front of me. I'm going to try to answer as many as I can before we wrap this episode up, because I realized that we are getting close to, I think, an hour. It's a pretty long episode. Thank you for those who stuck around through the entire episode. I know some, these last few ones have been kind of lengthy. Hopefully, we'll get the next one to be a little bit shorter. Uh, so let's see here. First question says, why aren't you covering the impeachment trial? That's a fair question. I wasn't really covering it on Instagram that much this week. Obviously, I did in this episode. Um, honestly, I kind of always just knew that it was going to end this way. So there wasn't really any any real deliberation in my mind. In fact, even, I mean, uh, I watched uh, John Oliver's piece tonight before I recorded this and 
they showed a clip of Ted Cruz talking to Donald Trump's lawyers and Ted Cruz was like, ah, don't even worry about having a defense. Uh, you know, like I guarantee you that there won't be more than 55 plus or minus two people who vote, which kind of just goes into the idea that uh, the senators kind of took a head count in advance about how everyone was going to vote before they ever even got to the floor. So they all knew that this was going to be an acquittal uh, for weeks now. So th there was never any confusion. And I, I always thought that if there was something there that we would have heard something uh, kind of behind the scenes and we never did. So uh, I guess I didn't cover it because I knew that this was how it was going to turn out. So wanted to focus on other things that might actually be able to be impacted. So next question says, am I from Missoula? I am not from Missoula, Montana. I moved to Missoula about 11 years ago from Great Falls, Montana, where I went to high school for about, uh, and I lived there for five years. Uh, but I'm originally from uh, the Philadelphia metro area where I was born and raised. And let's see here, how old am I? Oh God, do I want to answer that? Okay, I am 30 years old. I guess the cat's out of the bag on that one. Uh, has Biden done enough or does Biden need to do more? I think I answered that this episode. So I guess your question has been answered. Uh, why has Trump been so quiet? Uh, well, because he's not on Twitter anymore. And I guess he's not on any uh, media platform right now. And if we're lucky, it's going to stay that way. Let's see. Do I have videos on YouTube? Well, lucky for you, I do have a YouTube channel. Nothing that entertaining at the moment, but in the future, I think there might be. Let's see. Do you plan on having any episodes talking about Montana politics? That is a great question. I actually will be having some episodes about Montana politics because as a person who currently lives in Missoula, Montana, I am also interested in local politics. I understand that not everyone who listens to this podcast is in the state of Montana. However, uh, from what I see from my analytics, about 30% of my total listenership is in the state of Montana, um, which is where I reside. So I will be having Montana exclusive, I'm not exclusive, but Montana, you know, specific episodes as far as politics are concerned. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed and I'm hoping to have two local Missoula politicians or maybe soon to be politicians on this show uh, this season. So I will update all of you on Instagram if that becomes a reality. Let's see here. How many hours a week do you spend on the podcast? That's a fellow podcaster. That's a funny question. Um, honestly, this is basically like a part-time job. I think I spend anywhere between uh, on a low week, 15 hours, on a higher week, 30 hours on developing the content for this, for this show. Uh, it's actually a lot of work, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, what brought you to Montana? Uh, well, I moved out here when I was in high school. My family found a job in Great Falls. And after high school ended, I just decided to stay. I thought about going back to Pennsylvania where I grew up, but I uh, left Great Falls and came here to Missoula to check out Missoula first. And I thought if I didn't like Missoula, I'd probably head back home to Pennsylvania. Came to Missoula, fell in love, and I never left. Let's see. Final question. What are your thoughts on gun rights, on how Americans are with gun rights? Oh, my God, really? Um, 
there is no way I can answer that quickly. What are my thoughts on gun rights? The gun debate is not black and white for me. It, it was when I was growing up, I thought that guns were just a bad thing. And that was probably because I grew up in and around Philadelphia where guns were only ever used to kill people. And after moving out here to Montana, I think specifically to Great Falls, I saw the more recreational side to firearms and uh, just how everyone treated firearms as a culture a lot differently out here. Also, the crime rate was severely lower out here. So I guess it kind of changed my opinions on the correlation between guns and death. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I have a very conflicted feeling about guns overall, and I, I think it's probably a fair episode to have in the future. So I might have to just, uh, unfortunately, give you a non-answer for right now and say that I might have to give you a more um, long-winded answer in a follow-up episode. But thank you, everyone, who sent me questions on Instagram this week. I am hoping to do that again in the future and answer some more questions. In the meantime, if you have any questions about this episode or anything that you've heard in previous episodes, please DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, I actually did have someone reach out to me recently and send me a voice message uh, through Anchor because they did not have Instagram or Twitter, which that was pretty fun to get a voice message on Anchor today. I'm not entirely sure how you did that, but I thought that it was cool that you did. Uh, but I'll be reaching out to you via email. Uh, anyway, as we are ending this episode, I want to, as I have been for the last few episodes here, leave you off with a quote. And it is kind of reflective on how I feel about what's going on in society right now. And so the quote is from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it says, change does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, but comes through continuous struggle. And so we must strengthen our backs and work for our freedom. And I, I, I bring you that quote to end this episode because I truthfully believe that just putting Joe Biden in office does not solve all of our problems. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done in this country, and I just do not believe that by sitting back and hoping for the best that we're going to get to where we want to get to. We saw mass protests happening across the country last year in the wake of George Floyd being killed and Breonna Taylor. Uh, our climate is creating mass chaos all over this country and around the world. And that's just to name two things in a laundry list of issues that we have in this country. Um, we're tired, the pandemic has broken a lot of us and it, it feels like there's more despair than optimism these days, but I truly believe that things can get better as long as we stay vigilant. And so I will do my part uh, to continue to bring you all some information and to remain hopeful. And I hope that as we progress into the future, as long as we keep strong, keep optimistic, and continue to educate ourselves, that we will have a brighter future along the way. And so until we speak again, thank you all for listening to this long episode of Independent Thought. Next week will be my 50th episode of independent thought i encourage you all to tune in i'm still not sure what i will cover for that episode 
but I will hopefully have it be impactful because it's my 50th episode. I cannot believe there's 50 of these already, but thank you all for listening. See you next time.